Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity, and it is CISO Thursdays. I'm here with my original co-host, <laughs> my brother from another mother, Chris Folon. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? Happy Thursday, the day before Friday. But <laughs> We're going to bring Greg up. Be be before we... Before, Before we get to Friday, we, we have uh, CISO Thursdays. So we're going to bring um, our guest on very shortly, and they will be able to join us. In the meantime, feel free to question in where you're viewing from so we can see that, as well as hit that subscribe button and that notification button if you're over on YouTube. If you're on LinkedIn, make sure that you follow us. And then if you're on podcast after the fact, share with all your friends and family. That is right. And our special guest is here. So we're going to bring him up. Hey, Samuel, good afternoon and happy Thursday to you. And hey, Greg. Hey, how are you guys? Great. Screaming all the way from you? the UK. Yes. From the UK. I, I was like, Greg is coming on our buddy, Greg. It's been a while, man. It's been yeah. a while. Hopefully there's no secrets in that post-it note behind you. He's going to check now. It's all gonna the, be the CISO will check now. <laughs> I was on Twitter tonight. Just oh in case. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we'll shout some people out while we do this. <laughs> Here's your OPSEC for the day, everyone. There you go. Right. right. Lessons learned. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I have the handwriting of a doctor now, so it's safe anyway. OMG. <laughs> so please tell us where you are viewing from, folks. Greg is here all the way from the U.K., um, Roy Keck is here, says happy Thursday, happy Thursday, Roy, happy Thursday, Henry, happy Thursday, Scott Jaster, Samuel's here from Woodridge, Roy is in here from Utah, Utah, woohoo, Henry's here from Maryland. Um, I, I have a question for, for, for Greg. I mean, we've seen how hot the, the job market is, but no one seems to be able to fill roles. Is it the same over in the UK? Yeah, man. Hey, wait a minute. I'm shouting people out. Wait till my shout outs are done. Thank you. Kennedy, hello. <laughs> we got to get our banter going. See, Chris and I, we used to have a blast. We, we tell you, be telling me off. <laughs> you guys have way too much energy. I mean, these people are clearly still trying to break into security because they would not have this much energy on a Thursday if they were actually in security. Oh, I mean, my God. Basket weaving. I mean, pick anything else, please. Save yourself. <laughs> It is, it is always a fun time on CISO Thursday. That's why people come back. They're like, oh, what are these crazy people going to be doing now? Okay. James so. recommended a great espresso machine. So I'm up on my Java. I've uploaded my Java. And I have my, uh, my Diet Coke right here. I have recently purchased uh, a rather fancy one. It gives me a heart palpitation. So I know it's working. It's really oh, good. It's really working. Yeah. I need one of those. Yeah. Sure oh, oh Kennedy's here from Accra. Accra, check that out. Accra, what's happening in Accra, Ghana? Boy <laughs> said, "How dare you interrupt the shoutouts?" Exactly. How is he interrupting the shoutouts? Right, right. We have to make sure that our people know that they are here, that we see them, we see you, we love you. Come back. <laughs> okay, now you can go do it. <laughs> <clears throat> oh. So, so Greg, you can answer Chris's question. You, you're now allowed to answer. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, just 
well, first of all, I want to say hi to you guys because I don't think I've seen you since the very start of the pandemic, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and I wasn't actually like, I just got an invite from James and I'd not heard anything since. And I was like, is this thing with James? Like it wasn't the breaking into nothing. And then I just connected to you guys. I was like, all right, I know where I'm at. Uh, so good to see you. Why? Um, I mean, there's loads of jobs in cyber. I, I don't actually necessarily agree because I still think we're doing cyber very reactively. Um, it's all, you know, SOC analysts and pen testers and stuff. There's very few people that actually build things properly or fix things permanently. Uh, but there's loads of demand, but people are still being ridiculously picky. It's, I mean, I wish I'd had some great insight, but we're still doing the same dumb crap that we were two years ago. Um, I built a team, I, mean, I started a new role in September and I built a team off two LinkedIn posts. I didn't even go to HR. There's like so, so many people, so much great talent lined up that I, I literally advertised two roles. I had mm -hmm. six different roles. It's not like I had the same role multiple times, six completely different roles. And just from the small, oh yeah, by the way, if you're ever looking for this or that, it's like, well, yes, I do need a program manager. And yes, I do need a human factors person. And yes, I do need uh, an architect. So thank you, um, job done. So I don't know what, uh, what the problem is, to be honest. I think we have, um, I, th I think the biggest skills gap in, in security is, I'm, I'm off on a rant already, check this, check this out. I've been up since four in the morning, it's six now. Uh, I have a flu, bear with me. Um, but I think the biggest issue we have in security is a, is a leadership issue. We've got, we're not terribly good managers and people and leaders. I'd say we're good people, maybe not good people leaders. Uh, yeah. Did I say bad people? Yeah. We're just, no, we're not bad people. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, we're bad. We're bad. Um, we're not, we're not people, people, a lot of us, I think. And uh, to me, that's been like the most rewarding thing in the last two years. I've kind of gotten bored with tech and focus on people, uh, which is hugely rewarding. And I must, I was actually thinking about this a minute ago, because I'm always stressed out. And I'm like, you know what, like 85% of my of what I'm working on is actually going really, really well. And I'm super happy with it. I just never get to focus on any of that, because I'm always dealing with the 15% that's going wrong. Um, so it's stressful. But I, I do think like, you know, I, I don't get this. Um, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've noticed it just to, to reply to, to Roy. This is, I love how this is like super interactive and on screen. Um, I'm going to put it I'll, I'll talk. I'll, well, I will talk. I will ask the question. <laughs> I'll ask the question. Uh, Roy wants to know, do you see it getting any better? Will it get any better? Will it get better? Responding to you saying you've seen this since two plus years. And we've seen it for longer than that, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and I think like the, I mean, you have to start at the top, right? So I think the leadership starts at the top. And I think the CISO role for a very long time was like a fairly technical role. It was never a true C-level role. Uh, I'm quite lucky I, I report to CEO. Um, and I think over the last few years, that has been improving. I, I'm seeing CISOs with business MBAs. I'm seeing CISOs heavily involved in the business, very business savvy, good leadership skills, this and that. I think actually the last couple of years, in some ways that's going backwards again a bit because there's so much demand just for we need a CISO, we need a CISO. They've told us we need a CISO that they just get like the first kind of technical person in there. They don't want to pay like a full uh, CISO salary. So you're not going to get, you're basically getting a, an infosec manager out on a C, on CISO money or 
with a CISO title on InfoSec Manager Money. <coughs> and you start getting those leadership issues. And um, it's, yeah, that's, that's going backwards. It's not, not a good thing. Um, so, go on, Chris. I was going to say, two years ago, you, you came on the show and you mentioned that you were going to do an internship experiment. And I wanted to follow back up on that. What were the results of that? Um, I can't remember quite where I was at the time. Now I had the weird thing was I was I was in charge of security for a university, but it was it was actually really difficult for all kinds of liability reasons to get interns and to actually get students to do work. Um, but I did hire a bunch of people that had no previous cyber experience, and they all turned out to be fantastic. Um, in fact, the first guy I hired. I actually, it was actually a recruiter that suggested him to me simply because he couldn't get him a job. There was just no one that would hire this guy. Mm -hmm. He had no experience, he had no college degree, and he had, you know, so-so high school grades. And I just looked at his grades and I was like, well, they're not really good. But actually, I, I, remember, I think I remember saying they're crap, but they're consistently crap. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, this kid was bored. And I remember hiring him and I was like, I, I, well, let me have a chat with him. And I had a chat with him. I was like, you know what? This, this kid seems, seems switched on. Uh, so I hired him and I was like, well, we're all on, on, we're on like 365 in Azure. Like, do you have any experience with that? And he's like, no. Like, all right, I'll, I'll get you some books and you can read the books when you start. Uh, so the start date came along and I realized Microsoft doesn't actually really publish any books on this stuff. You have to take the courses. We don't have the budget for it. And, but he just signed up to like literally 17 webinars in the first week he was there. And after three months, he was schooling RIT operations people on 365. And he's since he switched jobs. I mean, we're talking two years ago. I think he's switching jobs for like the third time now. He mm -hmm. left, left to another job, got promoted there, and now recently switched to someone, someone else. So he must be 24 now and he's running a software. Nice. And this is the kid that nobody wanted to hire. Wow. We still have, um, and I actually had the, um, a, a leadership forum at my company um, a few weeks ago, and we we're talking about because um, we're a startup and we have a lot of quite junior people, and we need more uh, experience. And there was a discussion of like we need to hire more experience, or like we're we're going to hiring. The words were other hiring experience, and I said, yeah, guys, but we don't necessarily have hiring experience. Not as in hiring experienced people but as an experience in hiring because for me it's highly intuitive like this person can do the job i have a feeling this person can do the job um and, and get them we had we had this discussion uh we're doing a certification and we had to do background checks and my team like messaged me in the background on slack like background check greg didn't even do interviews he <laughs> <laughs> just found us and hired us that's pretty funny it was, you know, I like one guy, like he applied, like I put a LinkedIn post um, and he, he applied for it. It was an analyst role, but I kind of had somebody else in mind for it. I didn't think he was as good a fit, but I met him for a cup of coffee and dude shows up with his wife. I have coffee with his wife as well. And uh, I just called him up like three weeks later. It's like, I've got a different role. I, th I think he would be, a, you could be really good at this one. And that was it. You know, there was, there was no formal interview. There's a cup of coffee. Uh, same thing with my, my program manager, a couple phone calls. And we just, there's no interview. There's no grilling. It's just like, this is the organization. 
this is what I want to achieve. These are some of the challenges and how I, I'd like to approach them. And you see, you know, do they get it? Have, do they have solutions? Do they have ideas? Are they excited about it? Cool. Done. What a, not to give away what you, you know, what you ask, but what do you look for? Well, before I, before I ask my question, Roy Keck says, sometimes that's all it needs. It's all someone needs. Give them a purpose. You will exceed expectations. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. There, like, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, like hiring and retention now because of the great resignation. It's like, oh, we have to make our company seem like such a hip company and get all the bean bags and the free drinks and the fridge and make it a cool place to work, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, um, I told my team that this company, mm, we have some serious internal challenges. Uh, and I want to take things to a really high level, and it's it's going to be tough. And they're like, sweet, we like that. Like, we, we like the idea of making a difference, of contributing, um, and, and that's why they're excited. That's We didn't sugarcoat anything. Uh, and I see a lot of companies like really kind of sugarcoat and try to make their staff happy and baby them, but they're not getting any satisfaction. They feel like they're being treated like children, and they're not feeling like they're contributing, and they're not growing. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we're doing to kind of attract and, and retain people is actually counterproductive. People want a job. Mm. I, I so think you think that people, you think that people aren't being challenged enough? Like they come into the when they do get into these roles, because it's just that's, that's two problems, two separate problems. One is that you know people aren't given a shot, and then the ones that are given the shot and they get in, um, that they get frustrated because they're being given like menial work. I think so. Cause I mean, you know, you, you see like the experience requirements to do entry level jobs. You want like three to five years um, you know, of Good experience job. to do an entry level job. It's like I've never held a job for three years in my life. Um, so yeah, I think we, we, we expect way too little of people. And, and that's the funny part. Cause I think if you actually expect more, not only do you get more, but people are actually happier giving yeah. you because they're, they're growing. And, you know, I've, I've got people that like, I, I know they will outgrow the company in two to three years time. And that, that's a good thing. Cool. So, you know, like if I, if I'm still where I'm at in three years times, cause I've failed, like I, sh I should be done. I should have fixed everything, put it on rails, made it operational and I can move on and do something else. I mean, that's definitely such a leadership challenge because if, I never even thought about it from that perspective that people, when they do get in, they're not getting, they're getting kind of menial work. They're not getting, I would think that you would do what you're doing, Greg, like, you know, give them the fire hose, see how much they can, you know, like give them more and let them tell you, okay, I, this is too much. Versus, it's like, you know, put them, put them in the deep end of the pool, stand yeah. by the pool in case they start drowning, but put right. them in the pool you know it's like whether in they're in five feet of water or 50 feet of water you still got to swim right exactly that but it's 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 interesting that you bring that up i never even thought of that perspective of folks being um underutilized or just not getting getting enough because the whole purpose especially in the beginning i mean overall we know this is you're continuously learning and growing but at that point you definitely want as much growth and as much learning as possible so Hmm. Roy makes another comment. People don't just want a job. They want to matter. They want to contribute and be part of the culture. Human nature wants to be part of something. 100%. I know. Roy should just come on here. Roy, you should just come on. 
Chris, go ahead. I, I was going to um, touch on two points. A, that's why a lot of people like hate SOC analyst roles because they have three to five years of experience and then they're stuck like clearing alerts and they can't even like chase them down or do anything about them um, when they're in a tier one. Um, and then I think going back to Greg's earlier comment with how he interviewed, it reminds me of a post that Chris did just take people out for a cup of tea and like get to know them this whole situational behavioral interview like it's great but um you'll learn more about the person when they're comfortable with you than when they're all under a high pressured situation so i have to i have to chime in here with my hr HR. compliance yes (laughs) (laughs) hr is here that's why i'm here um if you are so the behavioral interviews do work because okay there's a couple different things everyone's not gonna be able to take everybody else for out for coffee and lunch so you know if greg has if we do have to get pipelines of people um in and um you know the manager is just taking out people to lunch that they know then that's gonna like a whole segment of the population just won't get to those lunches and coffees and stuff like that. So although I do agree, I'm a huge fan of coffees, lunches. That's how I literally built my whole life around coffees, lunches, champagnes. And I mean, I, I didn't know these people just like my, literally met them the day before on LinkedIn, but yeah, but still like, you know, that person, if there's someone who applies and they are not getting that opportunity that this other person got on LinkedIn, not to say that one is better than, or the other, you, this is the only person I met in person out of the whole team. Okay. But yeah, just okay. to give you an idea. But um, from a behavioral interview perspective, so with the behavioral interview, it's supposed to it's supposed to show you a little glimpse, which I don't, you know, none of it is perfect because I think people should be honestly having like many intern, like many job assignments to see if you could do the job like that's what if if life was perfect if Renee could do her own kind of how to (laughs) interview put the person in the job and see how they would operate in a real environment with real problems or real whatever so simulations that's what I would do for interviews like okay you want to learn how to be a recruiter here's the list call call these people and let me know you know or whatever it is like let me show you what the job is going to be like. And then at the end of it, do you really want to do this all day? Because this is what I do all day. A lot of people tell me no. You know, Are you okay with that? Blah, 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 right? Um, so putting them in the sock and saying, this is what you'll be doing. This is, a, this is, you know, 15 minutes of a mini of a day in the life of a sock analyst or whatever the case is and, and, and throw them in. That would be, that to me, I think that would be a great way to figure out if a person either a is going to potentially do well like it yada yada so i can um, definitely see that like for a sock analyst i can definitely see that yeah or any i mean anything else that's relatively entry level like to see if they're actually going to like a little mini version of that um but with all of that said the behavioral interview is supposed to be a little bit of past performance will predict future performance so if they are telling you this is something that they did not something that they think they might do or whatever but if it's like okay what have you done in this type of a situation and then they can give you that answer 
then you're like, okay, well, if we put them in this situation, hopefully they're doing the same thing. Now, some people are just phenomenal at making up stories and coming up with, you know, ideas and things like that. So it's not foolproof, but that's what it's supposed to be. But can you have that over a cup of tea? You can, but how many men how, is Greg gonna be drinking tea all day? <laughs> just, just like a phone call, like my my program manager, which is kind of a, a like he he kind of establishes like the whole framework, supervises all the security project, does all the compliance audit stuff. It's the kind of generic, I don't know, very broad role that I kind of invented. But the, the core of it is kind of like a compliance person, but also project manager. Um, and I just you know I had someone recommended to me and I called them up and I'm, I'm like, I don't really like GRC. Like, I think it's stupid the way most people do it. It's literally like box ticking. And he's like, yeah, man, I know it's so stupid. Like it doesn't do anything. I'm like, sweet. I like your attitude already. And basically, and I remember like my, my architect at some point, he, he's very technical. So he doesn't like this governance stuff. And when Colin started the governance guy, the architect went to like, Colin, we got to talk about this GRC stuff because I, I think it's stupid. I don't like it. And I was like, that's why we hired Colin. He's in charge of GRC because he hates GRC. <laughs> so just you know, just seeing things the same way, like we we immediately hit it off. Like no, like I want stuff to actually like I want to know what's going on, what the business does, what the people are doing, what we're dealing with, how the controls actually work. I don't give a crap that it's Annex A fifteen point two dot six on ISO whatever. Excuse me, I'm dying. Um, oh, I appreciate you even being here, having the flu and being up since oh, the hours that I was up this morning. Yeah, <laughs> bad. Um, yeah, but I, I do think like we need to get better at we we need to humanize it more and just hire people based on more on their potential. Uh, spend a bit more time on on mentoring. Like I hate it when HR departments tell me like, oh, you have to have a you know, in, in order to like, in, you know, boost the culture, we expect managers to have a monthly one-to-one. -one. What do you mean a monthly one-to-one? -one? We talk all the time. You know, we're, we're in a WhatsApp group where we say the stuff that HR will get us. You know, <laughs> um, my, my whole team, I actually hired the team and three weeks before their start date. So there's uh, the guy I met for coffee. He lives about 40 minutes away, but everybody else lives three, four hours away, uh, if not more. Um, and it was three weeks before their start date and they sent me a picture of them all having a drink together. Nice. They're not even working together yet, but they've actually taken the effort of getting together and to, to get to know each other as a team completely spontaneously and getting, getting that team chemistry. And it's, it's brilliant. My, my human factor, she's called, she's called Robin. She's single and Fabrizio, who's Italian. Like, I make it my mission this year, Robin. I find you a husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of them is having a bad day. The other one like drives up to see them. Like they're they're a family. You know, they're they're fantastic. Yeah, that, and, and that's what makes it fun when you're when you're in a group where the team is um, becomes friends. Yeah, that that team dynamic is is really important. It's very important. You want, to, you want to foster it. You want to. To, to me, that it's not just like can someone do a job. It's will they will they get along. Will they fuel each other? Will they back each other up? Will they have that that dynamic, that supportive? Because that, that's, and I remember when I wrote the, the the book years ago, like I was doing research, like the, the difference between a productive and unproductive employee based on motivation is like five hundred percent. So a big part of my job is drive that productivity out of that team. 
They love doing loads of stuff. They like being productive. They like impressing management with the amount of work that we're getting done. Yeah. And I think a lot of managers don't, especially managers, le- leaders typically are really good about this. Um, but the man- just like, managers is, is like, right, checking boxes. And so, Greg, you made up such a good point that the team dynamic, and I want to bring this up because people always ask me about this when it comes to interviewing. Sometimes it's about the team dynamic and not the person because individuals will think, oh, what did I do wrong? What did I, you know, I didn't get the job or I was qualified and why didn't they hire me? Why did they hire the other person? And it doesn't really have to do with them per se. It's the dynamic within the team. So kind of what Greg's point is, you know, is this person going to disrupt my team? Is this personality going to come in and not be the right and not mesh I could already see rubs or I could see, you know, we have two. Sorry, there's a great, um, it's actually Simon Sinek. He gives this presentation because he he went and he kind of studied the the seals, the way they select people for the seals. And they have this chart where it's um, performance and trust. And ideally you want someone who's high performance, high trust, but they would much rather have someone who's low performance, high trust than high performance, low trust. That that because that person will be a high performance but low trust individual that will do his own thing, be selfish, whatever is toxic and will destroy the rest of the team. Yeah, they much rather have someone who is, you know, chugs along slowly but is super reliable and will get along and and work together with other people. That that's much better for the outcome. Right. There's a couple comments here. Um, the other thing I want to. I, I want to flip what you said before. Sorry. Um, no, go, please. You, you said about like looking at it from a team perspective. And I think when you are, whether you're a CISO or a head of, when you're building a team, you have to look at what you need, not per job role, but what's what does the team need to accomplish? Because so, you may find someone, the person I hire is rarely ends up having the role that I first published. I'll end up changing it because it's like, okay, I want these five things. You've got, you don't have number five, but you've got four other things. It would be stupid of me to throw away those four other things. Right. So I'm going to have you do these eight things instead of the five I wanted. And the one thing that you're missing, I'm now going to put it to somebody else who might have that extra skill. So it's about filling that, that box with the different skill sets. It doesn't have to be, well, not everyone has to be that perfect square. Boom, boom, boom. You can have, People aren't squares, you know, they're big, weird right. shaped pops. <laughs> find those skills, find a set, a group of people that that fits together. Yes, it makes it a bit harder to replace them if someone goes because they'll, they'll have a unique profile, but you will always have a unique profile. If, you, if you're fully leveraging someone, everyone is unique. So it's always going to be different. Yeah. It's a little bit hard to re, harder to retain them and work a little bit harder to find someone else afterwards. But right. it's be great. I read a book talk, a few talk, years talk ago. About that, that, that unique profile. How do you then refill the team with someone that's such a snowflake in the organization? <coughs> well, it's that's where it gets a bit trickier, and you won't you won't find the same snowflake. You'll you'll have some pe- people will have to kind of branch out a bit, pick up some some of the gaps, but the new person will complement them in other ways. I mean, you. You move things around to make it work initially. You just you just have to move it around again a little bit. But the you know the alternative is only to use like the tiny little center square of the snowflake and let everything else go to waste. So you're better off using the rest, even if it doesn't always fit 
perfectly. It's still extra stuff that you're getting. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, comments. Sterling says, tuning in from San Diego, I made it. Woohoo! We're happy you're here, Sterling. Excited to hear from the guest today. Greg is a great individual from what I've heard. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that, Greg. A potential mindset is what allows for them to grow. If they have a positive attitude about improving, they will. Looking forward to hearing more. Scott says, so as the interviewee, is there a good way to address during the interview? Does a, a good way to address that? Is it just about asking the interview what the team is like or needs? And so, Scott, I'm going to. I think it's I'll, I'll give you my perspective. I think it's great to ask about the team. Um, but I think that when you're being interviewed, you Obviously, you're interviewing them, too. But when you're breaking in, you just want to get into something, hopefully, um, to get the experience. Um, but the team or the leader is going to be looking at you in terms of how you fit into their team. Um, so when people so I, I just want to be clear when interviewer interviewees, so people who are looking for jobs and job hunters will say they didn't pick me. I was qualified, blah, 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 blah. It could be that you, innately who you are, are not the right fit for that team. So if someone wants somebody like me, so for example, I have years and years of experience, you know, and they want a brand newbie recruiter, I'm probably not going to be right, the right fit. And if the person who's the manager is probably not, doesn't, is, isn't as seasoned, um, and I start asking certain questions and they're like, well, I don't know if I want this woman in here. Like, <laughs> she's going to be asking a lot of stuff then I might not be the right fit or the team, you know, whatever it is that they have going on. If I am, if I come in and I have like an aggressive type of personality, whatever, whoever I am, you know, and that team isn't, can't deal with that. The, the leader will see and be like, mm, I don't know, like she might come in and piss this one off and, you know, these various things. And so, you know, Chris and I can banter, but is she going to be able to banter with like those people in the team? They might think that she's rude or whatever, it, you know, whatever it is, because folks know managers, leaders, good ones, they know they understand their team dynamic. And if they have a great team dynamic, they don't want to bring someone in that's going to ruffle that, that's going to really disrupt it if it's really, really working well. So that's what I mean when I say personality. It could be that, you know, it's a real aggressive team and these people go hard and they, you know, they're yelling at each other and they're screaming and you're in the interview and you're like, yes, da, 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 da. It's like, okay, if I put this person in, are they going to get eaten alive by these wolves and this is a lamb? Or you could be the wolf it's a bunch of lambs. Is this person going to come in and jump in? So there's all these dynamics that are happening. So when people, you know, that's why I tell a lot of leaders, a lot of candidates in particular, don't feel bad because people tend to say, what did I do? I didn't get that. I didn't get the job. I thought I interviewed well. You could have had the perfect interview. You just might not be the right fit for that team or that role or kind of what Greg is saying. Like you have these skills they may say to you. And this happens a lot. Um, people will say, I, I, I really like you. This isn't the right fit, but I'll call you back. And then they call you back in three months because they see so another place where you might be able to fit if the organization is big enough. Um, like, oh, he could fit over here. <clears throat> so that's what I meant when I when I talk about, you know, people asking because that that, you know, you're building confidence as you interview. And sometimes the interview, it's not about you. That's that was my kind of point. So Brent is here. I know Greg wants to say something. Brent says currently rewriting job descriptions to fit team needs and personal motivations hard, but will be worth it long term. 
Yes, 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 Brent. Um, Dr. Dan, he used to always talk about asking people where they want to be. For those of you don't, that don't know Dr. Dan, Dr. Dan was on with us <laughs> for, at the beginning of the pandemic, keeping us together. He's a psychologist by trade. Um, and so anyway, he talked about folks wanting, you know, hiring to a person's aspirations, asking a person, where do you, where do you want to be for real? Like, where do you want to be in the company? Here's the company org chart. Where do you want to be? And then have hope, hopefully mapping that person to um, all those details. So what's 2026? Can I, can I, oh. can I, I went, I like, I went to the, uh, I forgot, I forgot his name. The, the chap that asked about uh, asking about the team. I don't think it's a bad idea though. Cause I think, um, Asking yeah. about the team might give you some insights as to the kind of tone to take during the interview, uh, because you may be perfectly capable of getting along with that team, who we very chilled out, whatever. But because you're in an interview, you're, you're quite for, formal. Just one example, and the interviewer sees you as oh, maybe a bit too formal for my team. They won't get along. If you know the team is very chill, then you can be more chill, and they'll they'll see that. So it's definitely good to ask. A lot of hiring managers, like especially if you're entry level your manager is probably not going to be a, a real seasoned leader. You know, he's going to be someone who's five, eight years in kind of middle manager. Um, so he might not even have thought of that. So the fact that you even bring it up is that he'll be might he or she might start thinking about it and, Oh, you know what? This guy's actually interested in making the team work. That's a cool thing. Um, but that, that can definitely help. I think also as Renee mentioned, um, you are interviewing the organization, so you want to understand the team culture. And if you know you've previously worked in a aggressive team and you don't work well in that team, or a, a quiet team and you don't work well in that environment, um, the fact that you ask that question and they share whatever one of those traits and you know that doesn't work for you, you're interviewing them as well. So uh, take that into consideration. So I definitely think it's a valid question to ask because in an environment where no one's together physically anymore, you have to find new ways to communicate. And if you can't find a way to communicate with your team that works for you, you're not going to be successful in that role. That's such a good point. Both of those points are good. Bringing up being, being um, I've, I've seen where managers want to rule somebody out or not even necessarily managers, but if a team culture is or a company is like T-shirts and hoodies and the person shows up in a suit because they want to show they want to. <laughs> if the person if you show up in an interview looking like girls. <laughs> that's that's all I do. It's, it's either like T-shirt <laughs> or suit. It's, and, and the person shows up in the suit and they're like, well, they don't understand the culture. It's like they do. They just want to be more formal. So, Greg, that's that's a good point of, you know, doing what you need to do to to especially especially in the beginning, especially in the beginning, trying to get yourself in there um, for that first role. So and then also think of the different cultures. Right. Um, Euro Europeans might be very fashion forward or formal forward um, where they want to wear their suits and someone from San Francisco, I, I'm not, but they, they might like their, um, their fashion suit hoodies and uniform. But this is my work uniform right here. A, a nice hoodie, 
t-shirt underneath um that's all good shades just that you just ready is, to jump right in is it ever good to show up in a hoodie um to tell you the truth scott it's the culture that you want right yeah. you want to work in an organization where you're comfortable so if you are comfortable in a hoodie at home in the pandemic and that's where you're going to work you're not going to be client facing you're just going to be internal um that, that's that's your choice right i mean i've never shown up in a suit in a form in a zoom interview but i have put on a shirt um, <laughs> we're, we're happy about that yeah. <laughs> it would be weird to wear like a suit in a, in a in a zoom interview wouldn't it scott just wear your nicest hoodie <laughs> don't send this person down that road no 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 okay so um I, you know what i know a great story um it's uh tom uh his last name is escaping me right now he works for um sentinel one and i had a call with him the other day or the other day like must be like six months ago now time flies and he had he had this shirt that said like i love sentinel one but it was a bit wonky and I thought it was like company swag, but like it didn't quite look like super polished. And he told me after it was like, no, 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 this is the shirt I had made to go to my interview at Sentinel one. That's awesome. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, I wanted to add that Chris and Greg have a lot of experience and are seasoned and people know them. So they can come and show up in hoodies and it's okay. When you're brand new, you want to put your best foot forward. So um, I agree with Chris in terms of like, hey, this is what I wear when I'm hanging out and I'm at, I'm at home. But for the folks who are trying to break in, this is the first role right. that you're going to get. You want to put your best foot forward. So even if it's a button down, something that shows, I mean, you obviously you talk to, if you're, you're here on LinkedIn, which is fantastic and YouTube. So the, the wonderful thing about now versus like, say, 10 years ago is that you can jump on YouTube and see like the people speaking. You can see the CEO. You can see whoever giving talks, being on YouTube, being on LinkedIn and see some of the pictures of and some of the video of what the environment looks like to match it. And you can match it just a little level up. So, you know, if they're maybe all in T-shirts, maybe you wear the uh, Apollo. Um, if they're all in polos, maybe you wear a button down. And then if they're suited, obviously you want to be in a suit. Um, but you can kind of see the dynamic and match it just a little bit better. Uh, because again, these are for folks that I just keep reiterating because we all, you know, I can show up like this. Chris can show up like that because we, people know us for our expertise. We've very been nice. in the business. I, and I agree. Very, very nice. <laughs> However, um, even when I meet my clients and everything, I typically do not put on a hoodie. I'm, I'm, I'm older school. I, put, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I have a t-shirt and I put a blazer on it and then I pull the it off. You might. Yeah, you might. It, it it looks awkward if you go overly formal. Yeah. Um, but if yeah. it's a formal place, then they'll be. You'll get on Zoom and they'll be in their suits. So. 
Just don't be that person on YouTube where you you, you have your suit on on top and not on below. <laughs> and you stand <laughs> up. And you stand <laughs> up. You just don't stand up. It's don't fine. Stand it's up. Don't, don't stand, stand up. up. Oh my I find gosh. the suit pants are always the first things to get wrinkled. So you, the, the jacket will stay good for a week. So funny. Will says, hey, Will, hope you're feeling better. Will says, I changed from a hoodie to a shirt for a formal Zoom discussion recently. The other person was in a hoodie. <laughs> Hashtag swing and miss. Hey, well, at least you, you were, you were, um, you were elevated exactly, and changed from a hoodie to a, a shirt for a formal discussion. Wait a minute. Oh, he said it twice. Okay. Um, Josh says, "What's your advice for someone green like myself interviewing for the first time for an analyst role?" First, congratulations. As a current student, I tend to lean on my learning and ad adaptation skills in interviews. I'm expected to complete my cybersecurity program in the fall, and my only experience slash exposure to security is through a stretch role within my company. So I don't I don't know specifically, Josh, what kind of advice you're looking for. I mean, it sounds like you have a great situation. You took a stretch role that in and of itself you can talk to because taking stretch roles is is um is is looked upon in a positive light. Um and you are a student, so you'll be leaning on your experience in, in the classroom as a student. So I don't know is. what specific advice in particular. I don't know if Greg or, or Chris. I'm not sure it. what the stretch role is, but I, I would say be confident. I, I, I have no formal education. So my background is always just like I, I learn on my own. So I, I assume that if you're going to university, college, you're interested in this stuff. It's also your hobby. You're spending time on it. You, you should know if you're good at something. And if you're good at it, be, be confident about it. A stretch uh, role is... Sorry, a stretch role in a company is like you're doing something outside of your current responsibilities, like they're giving you something to stretch towards. So you don't have the promotion yet or you're not in the role yet, but it's like, okay, I'm doing additional work to gain the experience while you learn the skill. I would say just be confident because weirdly enough, I remember being like when I was quite young and I had no practical experience, but I just read a bunch of books. And I knew what the book answer was. And I knew that the dry manager, he wanted the book answer. I would always land the job. It, w it wasn't until like years later where I had actual experience and knew better that it started getting challenging. Because I, like, because like, I knew what actually worked in practice. That's <laughs> not what they wanted to hear. Right. Um, like the book says this, but in actuality, this is what's really going down. Yeah, just having um, that, you know, like, hey, I'm, you know, be confident with yourself. Like, don't, people shouldn't be intimidated. That's why experienced people fail certifications. Yeah, because the experience knows it's like, well, this is yeah. what we're doing. It became, yeah, it became like literally like um, I, I gave up on certifications completely. The last time it was like a, a very lucrative contract, but I had to renew my CISSP. It was, it, it became so counterintuitive. Like this is just not how you should do it. Um, that it, I was like, no, I, I cannot do this because you really have to memorize the wrong answers to pass the test. Um, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> Josh is following up. I think for me, I have no formal technical experience. Most of my knowledge is through school. Should I be thinking about the practical labs I've done that may be applicable to the tech interview question? Well, I, I would say first, what like what is the role? An analyst role isn't always technical, and if they're requiring technical experience, um, 
do more practical labs, talk to those practical labs to the point where you're confident, like Greg mentioned, in your ability to do those things on the job. I'm, I'm curious if people do, if your university, if you're in school right now, um, do they do like interviewing skills, interviewing um, strategies? If they are, definitely go to those types of classes too. I remember that being like a course when I was an undergrad. I don't know if they, I don't know if they're still doing these types of things. But teaching kids these days, I don't know. I don't know. Not to get jobs. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're doing. But back then, it was we had a course in interviewing strategies, like what to, how to. Um, they they don't have cooking. They don't have cooking classes either. No. Yeah. I still can't cook. I'm forty. So, uh, <laughs> I'm microwave. Good. Carry on. So, so Greg, um, like, how, how do you pipeline to get more candidates either before you need the hiring so that when you're ready, you can get them? Um, to be honest, like most of it is, is off LinkedIn. And I, I know I have, I don't have like a crazy, crazy LinkedIn presence, but it's pretty good. And I, I do think that um that should be part of uh i think people getting into leadership positions they should have a personal linkedin network like that's part of almost almost like something you should be doing as a leader uh to be able to attract talent um because i think talent talent fit it, it's much more about your direct manager than it is the company. You can be in a terrible company, but really enjoy working there if you've got a good manager and vice versa. You can be in a great, highly rated company, but your manager is a jerk, so you hate you hate working there. So for me, it's it's mostly just the the kind of LinkedIn sphere. And it's not necessarily that um, I people I know are even direct connections, but you, you post someone, something, someone reposts it, someone tags or comments someone in it. Uh, so you get you get a fair amount of reach off of that. Um, the other thing is, uh, this was actually mentioned or something about it was somebody mentioned uh, redoing job descriptions or something. One, one thing I've noticed that job descriptions rarely do is describe the job. It's we want this experience and we want these skills and we want these certifications, but you don't actually very often see what will the person actually be doing. And I think once you describe that, you tend to find the right person because it's like, yes, that's what I want to do. Yes, I can do that. Um, yeah. And I remember like the, the last job post I did for experience, I did enough to do the job and certifications. I don't give two farts. That's literally, that's literally what I wrote. I don't give two farts and oh experience enough to do, to do the job. And I got because <laughs> I described like, look, this what is you'll be doing. what I mean. This is like this is what I want to achieve. Bigger picture. I need a person to handle this part of it. And this is kind of like the philosophy behind it. And it's like, oh yeah, I, I get that vision. I can do this part and I like your way of looking at it. Boom. Ideal candidates present themselves. I think a lot, um, a lot of people don't do that. Like they, they just list, you know, skills, certifications, experience sectors. But that doesn't communicate anything about what the actual work experience will be like. It doesn't say anything about the culture. It doesn't say anything about the team fit. 
and you end up with like the most random candidates and you, you can go through a hundred of them and still not find someone who's, who's a good fit. Whereas if you just, just described it better um, and, and it's weirdly enough, like the more informal it is, the better it communicates. Um, because people want real, the real deal. They don't, you know, I, I was well, actually it's the perfect timing. Um, I just changed our little banner down there to say power up women's conference teen edition which is something that i support every year two and we what's up two things that i'm so not three <laughs> <laughs> things powered up a woman and a teen the teen edition teen edition we had a fundraiser the other day we were talking about um just being real like you know the communication style having um uh being just uh authentic authentic and i think because greg if you're saying like this i don't want to bs or this is what you know this is what i'm looking for that people it resonates with people because they are um looking for a real situation um so oh he's back okay I'm just <laughs> i know you're i know you're you're sick and we really truly appreciate it um, so I just wanted to put this up real quick. As you all know, before it gets to the very, very end, um, I will say my little spiel about the Power Women's Conference for teens. As you all know, I support these teens every year. I will be harassing everybody for the next couple of weeks until it is time to bring the teens on. Um, we are still doing a fundraiser. I will be reaching out to everybody. Please, please, please donate and help out um, Power Up Women's Conference teens. Cash App Power Up teens. Okay, we will go back to our uh, <laughs> go back to our comments. Regularly scheduled show. What? Our regularly scheduled show. Right, back to our reg regularly scheduled show. <laughs> exactly. So Brent said, "Josh, as a hiring manager, I always look for passion and interest for entry level roles. Correct answers don't hurt, but team fit and desire make a difference." Mm -hmm. um, I think we need we need more people like Brent, and I think that's a big thing that we've never focused on. We've never taught people in this industry how to be leaders. Um, and I, I see this a lot, like working, working with startups, especially, um, you know, you hire a bunch of 21 year olds fresh out of school. Uh, great. But then they, they won't have like a senior person to actually aspire to, to learn from, to grow with. They don't know what good looks like. They build a bunch of stuff doesn't necessarily work very well because it's very chaotic there's no senior people there and then you know a, a 23 year old gets uh elected to be the manager of the team because well he's got more coding experience that doesn't make him a good manager or leader um and then those people end up in management positions and because they're still so focused on doing the technical work are actually threatened by people who might be a better coder or a better analyst or better whatever than them, which means that they will deliberately hire people who aren't as good as they could so that they're not threatened because they still view themselves, even though they're a manager where you should be hiring the best people you can get, they still view themselves as a technical person. So they don't, they don't want to be overshadowed by somebody else's technical skills. And you create all these terrible dynamics. Yeah. So to, yeah. to teach some basic kind of leadership, to tell people to like let go. Uh, once you're a manager, it's it's not about you anymore. It's you're not doing the work. You're managing these people. You are empowering these people. You're trying to drive the best results for the, the company. Get the best people you can. Support them. Um, that's we don't really have that 
that attitude, that mentality in, in IT. Very few of us do. Yeah. I think that um, because it's, it's still relatively young that we're, we're still dealing with this because even in other other hiring other IT folks, developers, things like that, it's not it's not like this. Entry level is entry level. No experience, you know, is standard. College grad, standard. Computer science degree, engineering degree, whatever, standard that a person doesn't have, like, all of this experience and a manager's not looking to jump through hoops. Most of the managers are like Brent in those environments. And maybe some of the ones that come over from other areas will be more, you know, will take transfer those skills over because this is the only area that I've ever, I I haven't recruited all different types of people, but all different types of IT people for sure. And security is the only space where you see this. That's why it's always baffling to me. That's good. That's that's Um, bad for us. Good that it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not across the board. I mean, every once in a while, you'll get some silly stuff where somebody's asking for a ton of experience. But usually for entry level, it's just so standard. I mean, I'm working with a company right now. I mean, it's just, do they have, it's it's zero to two years (laughs) experience. Like, they're still in school. We could hire them when they graduate. Like that's the way it's supposed to work for early career talent. Yeah. Um, okay. Vishali says, Hey, just starting out in the world of cyber, pursuing a master's in cybersecurity. Could you guide me whether I really, I need to really do many certifications to grab a job. Moreover, all the certifications seem expensive for my budget advice appreciated. But she didn't say, or he or she didn't say what specifically in cybersecurity. She. Um, that's that's one of the challenges that I think individuals coming into this field have. Right, is such a broad field. Where where exactly do you want to go? Because grabbing one of three hundred certifications may or may not help you. Yeah, there's um, so there's so many now, and and a. a, a big part of the certification is just getting through the door. Uh, I, I think I remember, and this was already years ago when the tide was shifting, was like people were saying two-thirds of the purpose of the certification was to get the job, not to do the job. Um, someone's giving me, someone just sent me a role for an AWS architect, something I would be woefully unqualified to do, but good job recruit. Um, <laughs> I would say, I mean, personally, I want to say be a rebel and don't get any of the certifications. Unfortunately, uh, the industry is looking for them. Um, my best advice is look at look at job ads to see which certifications they're looking for most. Um, that will tell you which ones are most likely to help you get through the door. Um, the other thing is a lot of people seem really focused on taking these courses, which are thousands of dollars, uh, boot camps. Now, I used to have a lot of certifications. I've never been to a course you know, 50 quid or, you know, at the time when it was 35, $45, buy the book, read the book cover to cover a couple of times, take the test for a couple hundred dollars. Uh, don't, don't go spend, you know, most people spend, I've never spent more than a few hundred dollars on a certification. People spend thousands, like five, $6,000 on a certification. It's just unnecessary. I love plural site. I mean, for 30 bucks, you could get a plural site. Um, subscription for the month and you can learn everything you need to learn even better yeah so i we're at the top of the hour 
Um, I'll run through these couple of comments and then let Greg please go get some sleep and some night <laughs> something. I feel bad just watching you. Uh, Josh says, thanks everyone for your input. Much appreciated. Sterling says they had practice interviews and feedback in my communications program when pursuing my bachelor's degree. I'm guessing career services at a university would have something. I would think so, Sterling, that com uh, career services does. Um, and Josh is saying that's good to know. Voice says, isn't it hilarious that the job description indicates exactly that, what they want in a candidate, but then you get hired and end up doing something totally different than what was on the job description. It's amazing. <laughs> Trust me. And that's not only tech and it's not only cyber. It happens all the time. Um, Scott, any chance Boris Johnson keeps his gig? He had heard he has a lot of certs. Um, and Royce says, get better, Greg. So, Greg, thank you so, so much for being here today, even though you are not feeling well. We it's, really appreciate you, know you. It's totally my pleasure. I think what you guys are doing is amazing. I'm so happy you're back. You guys yeah. deserve way more credit than, than I do. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. No, seriously. Yeah, I mean, you, how many of these do you do a week? Because you, you got CISO Thursday, so you must have well, our regular edition on Friday. Friday. So you're doing two of these a week. Yeah. That is a busy schedule. Kudos. Yeah. 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 Chris is, Chris is the real, uh, the real MVP. He does it. He does it almost solely by himself on Fridays. So. Yeah. All right, folks, we will see you again. Well, Chris, who do you have on tomorrow? Tomorrow I have on, uh, hold on one second. Doreen <laughs> Ellen. Um, tomorrow she's going to share her story. Okay, awesome. So come on and join her. Yeah, join us tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern on Chris's feed. Um, and then we'll see everybody again back here for CISO Thursdays next week, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Good luck. Cheers, guys. <laughs>